Welcome to a new episode of Pablo Head Investigates, the podcast where I talk to my favorite musicians about their creative process. In today's episode, I get to talk to singer-songwriter Madison Cunningham, who I've been a massive fan of for quite some time, and I had been dying to talk to her, and it finally happened um, a couple of weeks ago, and now I get to share it with you. Madison is someone who has um, incredible abilities on her instrument, the guitar, and her voice, and songwriting, and all of that sound uh, to me very, very effortless, and yet passionate. That's a that's a crazy combination, um, and something that I really, really admire. You know, you can hear all her passion in what she plays, but it never sounds stressed, or uh, in your face, or um, I don't know. It's it just seems very natural, very, very natural, and that was the same impression that I get got from her when I got to talk to her. You know, you may ask why. Am I doing these interviews? What am I looking for? And I think at first I'm looking for a personal connection to these great artists. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I have a lot of questions, but I, I kind of want to connect with them and see how they, what, what, what kind of animals <laughs> they are and um, how we can maybe connect through talking and listening to each other and exchanging ideas. You know, a question and answer situation is great. And it can be a wonderful interview, but I'm also looking for exchange and back and forth. And uh, I'm also looking for that those artists, you know, that they explain what they have been thinking about when they did all those great songs and compositions. And Madison was certainly open for that. You know, I'm always scared to ask these people, can you maybe play for me? <laughs> can you maybe play that song or play that chord sequence or show me what you thought. And Madison was always like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. Yeah. Very natural. And uh, um, she was ready to share. And I so appreciate it. You know, I think she played a, she played a song that I think she hadn't been performing really for anybody. And she kind of played it on this podcast for the first time for somebody else. And uh, you'll get to hear it um, at some point. I'm very, very happy to get to share this with you now, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This has been a special one for me. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe to this channel, leave, leave a comment or tell your friends about it. Uh, I'm glad that we can all learn from these great artists together. And if you would like to support the podcast, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash Pablo Held. With my patrons, I'm sharing exclusive content, behind-the-scenes stuff from the podcast, educational videos on uh, certain musical topics two times a month. I'm doing um, listening sessions, uh, Patreon hangouts. I'm sharing lead sheets. Uh, you get early access to episodes and much more. You get also a discount on my Bandcamp page where you can get the investigation notes notebook that I put out myself. It's a eco-friendly produced little notebook that has staff paper and you can write down all the things you don't want to forget you you don't want to forget and that you find inspiring all right uh, i wish you all the best and i hope you enjoy this episode right when you uh entered the room i was listening to uh, rebellion oh no way wow i mean um i mean there's so many things that i would like to talk to you about but um 
playing odd meters and having them come out as effortlessly as they come out in your music is something that um, interests me in your music a lot. Uh, and I, I'm wondering how you came across or how you first incorporated that element to your music, because yeah. every time you do, <laughs> um, I'm quite familiar with odd meters, yeah. but I never notice in your songs, like, hold on, this is not for, <laughs> this, is not for me. this is something else, you know? So wow. that, that's great because um, I've heard about somebody say about the great piece of art and in great art or in great, you know, in a, in a, in a watch, the technique mm. is hidden. You don't see it. Mm. Mm. But it, I mean, yeah, that's the best compliment anyone's ever given me because I do love odd meters and the, the, the nerdy part of me, you know, loves odd meters. And so I think, you know, I, I, I put them unashamedly into songs and then I think, if people, if this can go undetected as right. seven or five, I think then we're doing it right, you know? But if people start like pulling out their fingers and start counting, I get worried. Yeah. Then I'm like, oh, we're we're not playing it. We're not playing it well. Because I think, yeah. I think, you know, when you do play it well, people just dance as though they're dancing in four. And yeah. that's like the, you know, that's what I, I strive for. But yeah, I mean, I... I was probably 17 years old when I heard of my favorite artist, Juana Molina. Mm -hmm. And uh, she is the, the, she was the first person I ever heard who played in odd meters, but they didn't, it didn't sound like that to me. It took me a while to figure it out. Someone actually had to point it out to me. And I think just from listening to her for so many years now that, that ended up becoming um, an, an, an in instinct for me um, as a writer and, I've just kind of let it bleed into everything because it's it's exciting to me and yeah um yeah it, it inspires me so i try not to run away from it what's the first time you tried it on your guitar I and think how probably, probably on pin it down was the first right. time um the you know the chorus goes into seven yeah and i i remember showing it to my producer tyler chester and he it took him a minute to figure out that we had switched meters and it was one of those things where it was like, should we keep it or should we just keep it all in four? And then we decided to, cause I think it, I don't know, it helps that section move in a, in a cool way that I think it wouldn't have done otherwise. So it immediately went into a piece. It did. Yeah. I, nice. I guess it just, it naturally, it fit. I mean, probably the first time I ever tried really playing you know, an odd meters was, was learning Juana's songs, you know, mm. I would, I would, I would practice. And then, you know, again, it just became a part of uh, my vocabulary. So then, yeah, the first time that I tried it was in Pin It Down. And that was a very soft entry. It was like, you know, just the chorus is in seven. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Because Thanks. once you get into it, that's that's the nice, unfamiliar, mysterious feeling. But once you get back to uh, to the first part of the song, you yeah. see it from a different angle. Then, totally, totally, yeah, it's a cool perspective shifter, isn't it? It's like yeah. it's just it's a it's a different way to uh, make you appreciate four or to appreciate exactly. what the rest of the song is doing. You know, mm -hmm. and also. Um, I like it that it keeps me as a listener on my toes. Yeah. Not counting, yeah. but like, oh, I have to pay attention because this might go somewhere else in the next moment, you know? 
<laughs> yeah, I guess it's like it's not really um a train that you can fall asleep on because because yeah. it's it stops at different stations. You might miss yours, you know. Mm -hmm, exactly. <laughs> to use a metaphor. <laughs> yeah. But you have that you have that on so many levels. I think, you know, when I think about harmony in your pieces, mm. it's the same way. You know, once mm. you think you're in one place, you take us somewhere else. Oh, that's cool. I'm yeah, maybe I guess that's, you know, I have to be careful because sometimes I, I have to determine in myself if it's boredom or if it's mm -hmm. curiosity, right? And I think mm. I think if it's curiosity, I let it lead me all the way to the finish line. If it's boredom and I'm just throwing things in because I'm like, ah, I just can't there's yeah. no love in that way of of fixing things. It's it's just this, you know, band-aid over a wound kind of a thing. So I have yeah. to be careful to to not just throw things in for the sake of throwing them in. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, I have people in my life who are very good at detecting that in me and being like, nah, you know what, why all the chords? Like, <laughs> why, why so many, you know, and, and I keep them around because I, I do trust that instinct that sometimes isn't my own instinct, which is like simpler, sometimes better, you know? Do you also have people from the other spectrum? like saying give me more chords give me more well chords. yeah i mean yeah I, I i feel like for a long time and that is starting to shift now but a, a lot of the people that i a lot of my audience was and are still musicians and so there's this part of that where i'm always trying to satisfy that part of the audience because that's that's me you mm -hmm. know right that's like th that's how i want to hear music but i'm i'm just trying to I, I've said this a couple of times recently, but I, I think I heard Jeff Tweedy say it ultimately where he said, I'm constantly trying to sacrifice technicality uh, over sincerity so that I can maintain that. And so like, if, if I sense ever in myself that I am actively taking away from the sincerity of a song or the sentiment, then it's wrong, right? Like then I have to go back in and reevaluate and uh it, you know i i do that all the time i'm constantly right. questioning questioning myself in that way right um since we started with rebellion would you care to um to show me the process of how you wrote it and yeah. uh, what was the inspiration and and how you constructed all the different parts maybe even with the guitar if you feel like it yeah i actually i actually have one here randomly so maybe maybe this is a good time yeah. i mean so this one that song is in an open tuning um it's an open d and i capo it up to the third fret um I, I had that riff this riff um kind of the main one that you hear the uh um you can't really see me but uh that's fine yeah but i had that riff four years it just sat around and I had no way of like I didn't know where I wanted the song to go I didn't have like uh, you know an idea of what I wanted to say and in the middle of the the pandemic it just kind of it came together can and, I quickly um, interrupt one question like when you say um, you had this lying around where does it lie around does it lie around on a paper or in your mind in your fingers mm, great question it lies around in my head Okay. Um, and somewhere on a voice memo, right? Like mm. I'll, I always have my phone ready yeah. and I just record. I mean, it's, it's a mess. If you go in there and look at it, nothing is titled. I know. Yeah. Just, 
you know, it's sad. I, if I was more organizational, then I would probably be writing more songs or finishing ideas. But um, all that to say, yeah, that's that's where it was existing. It was just okay. in my mind and on on my phone. And you know, it's like I don't see. A, I love having ideas that inspire me and get me excited to play live. And that was one of those riffs that I knew I was going to have fun with, but I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what I wanted to sing about. So finally it, it, uh, it all came together, but you can never explain why it just mm. does. Yeah. And you're like, for whatever reason, this portal was shut to me and now it's open. And I, you know, I don't know what, <laughs> why that is. I wish I could go in and change it. Yeah. And understand. Right. So it started with that uh, riff and then what happened next? Yeah. I mean, and then I, I, I automatically kind of went into the, the, what I would call the B section. I'm not your enemy. But that was in a weird time signature too. I was like, it makes sense to me, but I don't know what it is. Um, I still don't really know what it is, but um, now you're back to the original riff. I think it goes to five, doesn't it? Yeah, it must. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One. So yeah, 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 exactly. From between five and seven. Um, which, you know, again, my goal was to make sure that it didn't feel that way. So Aaron Sterling, um, who played drums on it, just, I feel like he played the perfect part. Like he just made it feel just so fluid. It didn't feel too proggy or heady. He just like, which there's nothing wrong with that, but I wanted it to still feel very singer songwriter, you know? Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. And then eventually I was like, there's, you know, I, I had this section, the, the big chorus, the you, uh, I knew I wanted to go there, but I had mm. no way of bridging the gap. I was like, I don't, it doesn't, that, that feels too abrupt of a turn for whatever reason. So then at some point, this thing kind of uh, emerged the, as as and I was like, oh, perfect. That's just like a, like a, almost like a, pre-chorus or something that's just going right. to take us right into the the big moment that the song seems like it's been earning this whole time you know wow what, what does form mean when you're right what what does form mean to you when you compose is it something that comes later that where you kind of put all the the ideas and the little sections and 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 things into a perspective into a kind of a roadmap or does it something sometimes even already you have a feel okay that's a b section or that's mm -hmm. an a section mm -hmm. it's different every time for the i mean I, I as a writer i write arrangement first usually so like mm. I'll, i'll have all of my sections laid out because i'm always trying to figure out where i'm trying to go so that will happen and then i'll be like i have this melody that you know snakes throughout the whole thing but i don't have lyrics yet so like, it's just me at the end of the day being like, I'm singing just wordless things yeah. until they finally have form. And you're like, okay, I think this song is about um, our rebellion. I Okay, <laughs> well, let's figure out how can we like play with metaphor and make that a cool idea. Um, 
so yeah, it's just, it's, it's just this process. It's just like, it's just like throwing everything that you like about it out on the table. And then you're just finding all of the pieces as they fit together. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, it's, cool. it's, for me, it's like as uncalculated as that. It's just me. It's reaching in the dark until it makes sense to me and to the people that I trust around me who are then going to record it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's fun. I've never talked about that song before, but I love that one. And it's, it's, it's a really, uh, it's, I don't know. It feels like a fun color in, in the, in the exactly. tapestry of the record. Exactly. It's one of those songs. It's a great song. Don't get me wrong, but there are other songs that uh, kind of um, like uh, um, that song about your grandmother yeah of course it's maybe the one or the second song the, the first or second song that i'll think about when i think about the new album somehow yeah. in, like yeah. in the important songs but there are yeah. you know there's a meaning to each one of those and there's so many things in them that they're just great songs and sometimes you know when you have an album that you like you listen to it countless times and then all of a sudden track number seven arises as the next big the next big thing you know for you totally well but that's that's the beauty of this is why people have made records since the since the beginning is because it's like i don't want to have to put all of my musical ideas into one song mm. nobody wants to hear that <laughs> like yeah like you know i don't want to mix all the colors into one like you know indescribable color that could be that's fine for certain for certain things but like i love the fluidity of being able to just express your ideas in different forms like i don't yeah you know and i i i know it's like yeah our rebellion would be maybe a bummer song without the others they all are propping propping each other it's like a it's like a jenga puzzle right like if i were to just take out life according to rachel from the bottom of the tower the whole thing might fall but that's the whole point is like you're making these like linchpins that then all the other things can exist around. Um, and so, you know, I'm a forever fan of full bodies of work because that, yeah. that that's it's like a book, right? You're like creating chapters and periods at the end of sentences. I'm about to record an album. So the the um, the thought of um constructing an album and having an, an arc and also the thoughts about what you want to have in your album right um those are in, on my mind right now yeah and, it plays uh, you until you figure it out right yeah but I'm, I'm curious like um when you record when you go into the to the studio to record an album like the revealer are all the songs more or less fully formed in terms of form and and the shape of them but how is how is the idea about the album what the album should be like does it does it emerge in the process of recording or is it already you have a maybe a rope map in your in your head before this time it was so different than the way i've ever recorded i've always created a security blanket for myself where everything is finished before we even step foot into a studio. You know, it's like that way. It's like, we know what we're after. Maybe we'll leave, you know, some things up to the moment, like what sounds and what amps and what mics, yeah. and, you know, like we'll let the moment always guide us by the nose at, 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 at certain parts of it, but everything was always constructed. This time I did a lot of 
writing the song, then recording it, or recording it, an idea and letting it exist for months before it was finished, like uh, that song, Anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, that tune existed as that exact recording for months, but no lyrics. Like I, I was like, oh shit, I love this song and I love the way it sounds. We're like headed down this beautiful sonic pathway and I have no, no lyrics to back it up. So (laughs) I just spent a lot of time figuring it out. And that was the last thing that was recorded was my vocal. Wow. And thinking about anywhere that my favorite chord progression from that is D major and then the E, the C over E, Mm. A minor six, and then E minor over G that those four. That's rad. That's the ones that I think about, how I think about them. Uh, But yeah, yeah, that's, that's my favorite. That's my favorite little particle of that, of that song. I I really love love that. Thank you. Also, thank you for telling me what those chords are. (laughs) I didn't didn't really know. How do you think about harmony when you, when you have a chord like that? I mean, if you have chords like that, how do you think about them? Um, I feel around for them. Like it, 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 you know, I'm not technically trained in terms of like, I don't, I don't look to theory to guide me. I, I That's have incredible. always, yeah, I've always been, um, I've always felt around for it. And I feel like I'm always a little bit lost. I just, I just play what feels right. And there's usually something in my head that I'm searching for something that I'm, I'm looking to be satisfied by. And mm. then, you know, it'll, it'll it'll find me or it doesn't. And that's why things will take a while. Cause I don't have like, Oh, I could just throw this chord in and you know, I don't have that sort of vocabulary. I, not that I don't understand theory. I just don't lean on it at all. Cause it, mm-hmm. it actually severs the, um, it severs me from, uh, me accessing music a little bit. Yeah. Like it doesn't actually help. It's very interesting because your music sounds like so sounds like you're so rooted in you know chord theory or uh, harmony uh in terms of what works and what um what makes sense never never there's never a chord or a progression that seems random it sounds mm. like woo so um like I would have assumed that you would have, I don't know, studied theory or, you know, harmony in, in yeah. that sense. Uh, but maybe it's a it's a subconscious thing that you're informed through the music that you have heard and played with others. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. That is what it is. I mean, so in that way, sure, like I've had a, a, col- a secondhand college education through the people that I learned from. Um, mm. You know, my my one of the first things I did when I signed with my management, I was freshly 21 was I, I was I, a duet partner with Chris Thiele on mm. his radio show. Yeah. And that, like, I think I did that 25 times and <laughs> that show was the, the hardest thing I had ever done musically, but it, it like changed the course of the way I viewed music and the way that I played it. Cause it, it forced me to rise to the occasion. Mm. Do you remember some things that you've some, specific things that you've learned from there or you know talking about harmony maybe sure i mean i i I would i think what i learned is that it's it's a lot 
you you can learn anything if mm. you spend enough time with it like there were certain songs that i would start and be i would just give up immediately and think there's literally no way i could do this i could transcribe this and again i'm not working off of theory or reading anything so it's all mm -hmm. ear training um and then i would just like give myself the moment to figure it out and struggle through it and then then something would would i'd break through something and i'd be like oh i understand it now so that's probably what I what I learned in, in terms of complex harmony. And it, I think it just reestablished that like relying on your ear is one of the most important things. And actually your ear can can grow and get better yes. and sharper. Um, so that was like a, a huge turning point for me. It, it made me feel like I, I, I didn't have any excuses to give myself in, in learning difficult pieces of music um, because your ear wants it wants to absorb it wants to to learn and attach itself to these yeah harder melodies you know can you maybe describe your process in terms of that topic like learning music by ear mm -hmm. what does your ear um, gravitate towards first and how do you make sense of what you hear and how do you internalize it mm-hmm I'll usually the first thing I pay attention to is is melody. Um, another environment that taught me this was uh, playing guitar in Andrew Bird's band for like a year or so. All of his songs sounded so complicated at first, and so if I started to pay attention to the chords, I I would have got overwhelmed, you know, because there's so many different twists and turns. But the moment that I just attached my focus to the melody everything else made sense like once you understand that you yourself can predict where he's gonna go mm. um just just from understanding the nature of what he does not because it's simple but just because it's like everything that he does is intentional and it's informing itself um so yeah that's the first thing i'll listen to is melody is uh, even if my ear goes somewhere else i have to teach it to just listen to the melody first and then everything you know i mean it informs every it informs harmony right mm -hmm. like the second you understand the foundation of what the song is doing then you know what what you know to add what the secondary thing is the secondary melody the the parts i mean that's that that goes that bleeds into writing too it's like the second mm -hmm. you figure out what the, the foundation of your song is then you can figure out what to add and or what not to add you know mm -hmm. um so yeah, that's that's probably the way that I go about your your, your training or just listening for for music. That's great. But then when you internalize the sounds, do you internalize them as like fingerings on your on on on, the on guitar? Floor? Yeah. Yeah, shapes. Um, are, are I guess the way that I th I think about it, you know. Um, or, or keys or whatever. It's like that, that helps me internalize where I'm going and certain, certain keys. I feel a little bit more at home in where I don't have to think about it as much. I can just kind of let myself go where I want to go, but in others, I'm, it's a little bit more of, you know, muscle memory work. What about the key of E flat? <laughs> I do love the key of E flat. I really yeah, do. Exactly. 
<laughs> I, I, everyone knows this about me who's played in my band, but yeah, I mean, this is this is what E flat looks like to me a lot of the time because I, I almost all, not all, but a lot of my songs on this new record are in open tunings and um. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know why I love that key. I think it's because it's perfect for my range yeah. and it's like a, a more angular to my ear version of like an E or a D it's just E flat. It's like, the exactly, in between. Yeah. and I really, really, I really am drawn to it. Um, but yeah, I mean, because I my, my the guitar is tuned to open D, it's all, I always capo it on the on the second fret for E flat. Yeah. Just because it's easier to. Yeah. There's some songs. There's this one song called "Last Boat to Freedom" that I, I play. I love that song. Oh, thanks. That's cool. You know it. Um, it's kind of a hidden B side. Not a lot of people know it. But that this one I actually play. So like this is this is out of tune, but. <laughs> This is in uh, open D, right? But I've, I'll play this one uh, in E. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's maybe the one example of when I wouldn't wouldn't capo because it just uh, I don't need as many open strings for that. Mm. Um, would, would you go into the process of that song? How how you how you wrote that song? Sure. Yeah. I was living, um, in my parents' house, uh, sleeping in the downstairs guest bedroom. It was like months before I was going to move out, um, of the house forever. And, um, I was just sitting in my room and that's, I would do that a lot. because that was the one place in the house where like music couldn't really be heard. <laughs> so I would like <laughs> play late at night. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, yeah, I just, again, was, was, getting really into open tunings and just kind of found this set of chords one night. And I was like, this is a crazy chord. And what does it do like up the neck? I'll do that a lot. If I find a voicing that I really like, mm -hmm. I'll just see what it sounds like in another position. And again, I'm not, I don't know where I'm going or necessarily what I'm trying to hear. I just want to see what can happen. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of the process of writing this song. And then I figured out, oh, sounds good here and here. And then the melody just kind of worked its way out as I was like, I don't know, playing it live. I'll do that a lot where I'll have like an idea that I'm really excited about, but I don't know where it's going. So I'll, I'll like do a live show and just kind of incorporate it in and then something will happen live and it, it'll figure itself out. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's how this song got finished. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, eventually it gets to that sort of heroic part where it's like, mm. the the guitar is the slow three yeah yeah it goes in yeah I, again i didn't realize that that signature changed but it felt it felt right it, it, it i don't know it, it worked again again it was a moment where i was like i have no idea which <laughs> time signature this is although it's just three you know yeah right it's great it's really great it's when the time signatures mix that they get confused yeah. they're like what Yes. <laughs> it's really fun. I, I so, so much enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, going back to that chord, isn't that the first chord of I Don't Know Where I Stand by uh, Johnny Mitchell? 
Oh, maybe. I didn't know that. That's cool. I got to look that up. It, it sounded, when you moved it around, I think it sounds like the beginning or the, um, of the, yeah, w one section of the song. Like, I think, I think she plays it pretty high. What record is that on again? Do I don't know? know where I stand is either on Song to a Seagull or Clouds. Wow. One Ooh, of the first, first two records, I think. Yeah. That's so beautiful. I mean, yeah, talk about queen of chord structure and chord Ooh. voicings. It's like nobody can touch. Nobody did it like that. And yeah. And also, I mean, Joni, she's another crazy example or just a example of somebody who wasn't trained, right? But she like understood jazz and understood, she's just like, I don't know. Or maybe she didn't understand it on a technical level. Maybe it was just, I mean, do you know this? Do, I, I, I think I'm kind of guessing here, but maybe you actually have the answers. Well, I don't know if I have the answers. I think I have the questions. This is why I'm doing the, the yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No. Um. <laughs> do you have Do you have questions? Become yeah. the host of a podcast today. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I just read a book about Joni's blue phase. It was great, a great book. And uh, but I, now the fact if she was classically trained or in any way trained, uh, escaped me. I think she sang in choir before. Um, she got into music and then she was doing more folksy kind of music and then uh, discovered open tunings and then discovered weird chords that nobody played, you know, through through that. It's It sounds so uninformed by anything else. Do you know what I mean? It sounds yeah. like it's it's pure innovation. It doesn't it doesn't sound to me like she was sitting in a classroom and someone taught her that to me it's like it's it's indicative of something that can't be taught and i i would be actually more surprised if she was if she was like you know went to school and had an education and, but you know you never know she's just she surprises me all the time <laughs> when you think about her what song comes to mind right away or right now amelia from Hygiera. Ooh, yeah. I love I that like, song. Yeah. I cry every time. It's so good. Hygiera was a sleeper for me. I didn't realize how powerful that record was for a handful of mm. years. I mean, my my first introduction was Court and Spark and mm -hmm. Help Me was the song that yeah. hooked me in. I was like, yeah. holy cow, this is the most beautiful, sexy sounding song. I, I, it just was everything that I wished that I could have been. And I mm. thought this is this is the epitome of music, and I still feel that way. Mm. Um, but you know, then there's like there's at Court and Spark, which that song blew me away. There's um, uh, a case of you. There's mm. California. Like I mean, there are so many tunes of hers. But Hygiera, it's like that record is so damn special. <laughs> um, do you feel like playing a song? Sure. And, yeah. and anything in particular? I'm trying to think of what I could. I could do. I might do my acoustic. I might do a new one. Is that cool? Sure. Yeah. Okay. One that is not on the record. But um, I was playing it the other day and it's going to be a B-side, I think. 
A B-side of 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 what? Of revealer. Oh, okay, cool. Here I'll try and I don't know if you'd prefer to. Okay, cool. Uh, this one's called uh, Inventing the Wheel. She's in action, you can read her like the times. Splitting hairs and giving airs, she's guilty of a crime. Don't underestimate the murder your eyes can commit. Killing me so tenderly when you won't just admit you're suffering. Gold rushing mercury indoctrination spoon. Some by the way in mercy, some get taken out too soon. The rest of us run underneath like rain in the ravine. Flowing with bloodline and pollution, trying to get clean. Life in all its fragility, leaving her imprints upon me. A riddle I cannot begin to guess. She's not inventing the wheel. She's not the first to feel like she's the only one coming up against herself. Responsibility, the more you crave denial. The wind speaks like an orator, some message from the wild. With the courage of a mother, letting go of her first child. Life in all its fragility, leaving her imprints upon me. A riddle I cannot begin to guess. She's not about to seem like she's the only one coming up against herself. How long, how wide, and how deep, how bad could it be to blow it off and run away from yourself? Ambition drinking me Helpless I watch another death Play out on TV I render it down to size and sound And it comes as no surprise I sleep all through the night And still wish to open my eyes Life in all her fragility The midwife of this urgency A moment I may never get again Moment I may never get again. Oh, a moment I 
Thank you. That's special. Wow. Very, very fun. Oh, is she going to stay? She's going to stay. Um, wow. Um, I have to ask you this, you know, um, since you're accompanying yourself, you have to play what's needed. But what's needed is so different for everybody. Um, mm. Mm. So, I'm wondering what you need. I think I hear what you need, but I want to hear it from you because I'm I'm not sure how much thought went into this or if this is again a subconscious thing. Yeah, I don't think I I, I want to know what you think about accompanying yourself. What do I need? I I need a lot. Like <laughs> <laughs> I demand a lot of myself because I, I do struggle with boredom and I do think of the people watching. And I think there's such a fine balance between being in the business of moving people and being in the business of showing off. Right. And mm. there's so much of my life that is, that goes into the actual dexterity piece. It's the piece of, of constantly trying to get better and, more accurate and um, uh, faster and whatever it is. It's like all, all of those things that you, you put the pressure on yourself to accomplish. But at the same time, I understand the difference. Like I know that in live scenarios, people are wanting, they want both from you. And so that's, that's why I, I said to somebody recently, recording takes half of my brain, writing takes half of my brain, but touring takes all of my brain performing mm -hmm. for people takes everything. And I need for myself what I want from other people, which is this beautiful blend of the two things, which is like mm. where the music is, is happening and it's, it's jarring and it's not what you expect. But at the same time, the words are like, they're clear and they're, and the music only is the vehicle for that. And so I think I, I don't know. I just like to enjoy what I'm playing and I like to be challenged by it. Mm -hmm. And as long as that's not taking away from what I'm saying and what I would like to convey to an audience as I have a platform, right? It's like, I don't ever want to waste or take that for granted. So um, yeah, I'm always trying to thread that needle, mm -hmm. ride those faders and figure out which thing, um, you know, make sure that, that neither are taking away from the other. You, you said something about boredom. You said it already maybe two times or three times during our conversation. Um, I'm a parent and <laughs> what parents usually um, say to their kids is like, it's great to be bored because yeah. then you'll be creative, you know? Yes. Yes. That's so true. You know, boredom can be a, a wonderful thing. And actually 
you know, I challenge myself to be more bored all the time because I'm constantly just used to filling my mind. It's like, you know, it's so easy to do this, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. all the time. And um, maybe, maybe you're right. Like maybe I've, I, I guess I, I view boredom as having a good and a bad side. Mm -hmm. Boredom yeah. can be the, the, the impetus for really creative ideas or yeah. ideas that just come because you're in this like funny mood right yeah. and it just something will happen that's cool and then after that you're excited boredom you're goes away and you're like yeah. okay now you're just like a kid stringing beads and your curiosity yes. is just focused on that thing um but you know sometimes i can sense maybe it's like falling out of love boredom mm -hmm. can feel like falling out of love with what it is that you're trying to do or or out of belief in what you're doing and to, to throw things in that make you believe in it again, isn't necessarily a bad thing, but, but it can be yeah. if, if you're trying to impress yourself rather than be moved and excited about, I don't know, or, or without actually believing what you're saying, I guess. Hmm. You've talked about, um, working on dexterity and and um getting it more effortless because that's how it sounds you know when you sing and when you play the guitar it sounds effortless and i'm wondering i'm i mean so many things but um first maybe how do you balance that you know because those are two separate skills that both both of them you master but you know there are there are also people out there who can only play the guitar and have enough work with just you know getting that mm. done you know playing mm -hmm. the guitar and then there are singers you do both and both feed off of each other how do you balance working on those two things yeah it, i guess that's another example of, I, I, i'm always afraid that one of them is working a little bit better than the other one and um i spend a lot of time just like practicing them at once and getting used to like, like if there's a complicated guitar thing that's happening underneath a vocal and as I'm first learning it, I can feel that my vocal is very flat and very mm -hmm. disengaged. So it's actually, it's funny, the first couple months where I played Pin It Down Live, any, any documentation of that song in particular, I could hear that I was thinking so much more about the guitar than about my voice. And practice doesn't make perfect, it makes permanent and so that you can, be free right and i had to get to a place with that song where it became so internalized under my fingers that i didn't even feel it happening anymore mm -hmm. it just happened so that i could give my attention to my voice mm. um otherwise uh, like my voice requires ev everything um in me and all my focus to make sure that i'm on pitch and not over singing or under singing or pronouncing things in a way that doesn't sound too um tired or wooly or whatever uh so yeah I, I i try to get to the the guitar to a place where i'm not thinking about it which is really funny because i'm learning all these new songs for this record and this tour and i'm noticing from my voice memos that i've been taking of myself that my voice is suffering while i'm trying to learn and internalize the guitar stuff but yeah. it'll get there. It just, it just has to like, I just have to let 
that play out. I have to let the guitar settle in and under my fingers to where I don't think about that anymore and then just think only about my voice. Mm. Is the practice uh, usually connected to songs or are there also exercises that you do, singing exercises or guitar exercises? It's usually connected to songs. I, I started, I, I was doing some guitar exercises for a while and then I, I like I was kind of running scales and stuff and then I would be like, but I just sound like I'm playing scales. Yeah. When, I solo when do you or, do that? You know, yeah. Right. Like when would I act this? Maybe this is telling me where I can and can't go in this sort of little block of the guitar, but even it, that doesn't even inform it for me. Like I, mm -hmm. so I, I kind of haven't done that. And it's all related to like, what is the mission at hand? Um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to execute exactly what I'm trying to play live. So at this moment in time. So yeah, it's been, it's been song based. What are you working on these days? Which song? Uh, there's this song called uh, Your Hate Could Power a Train. Which yeah, tell me about the, the riff. I mean, what about this riff? <laughs> Here, I'll, I'll play it. This one was weird. I had it for a while and it was like sort of twisted sounding riff. It's also in an open tuning, which is really fun because... Uh, Where did my cable go? Oh, here it is. Blending in with other things. Um, What's the tuning? It's just open D, uh -huh. but in E flat. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> my favorite key. Um, so before it was a... And I played it for someone and they were, they were kind of like, yeah, it's okay. And then I showed it to someone else and they were like, Okay, let's. This is twisted and cool. Let's let's um, let's record it. So it was that for a little bit, and then I ended up adding. I realized that there was an open string that made it like fully chromatic. So I ended up going. Mm. Um, so it was just this fun. I don't know. I I like it. To me, it sounds like a train. Mm -hmm. Or like something that's like, like a machine also yeah like yeah something that's yeah. working in in yeah. grooves and it's in a grid rolling yeah exactly um so yeah i just had that riff for a long time and then figured out uh, that was an example of a song where the lyrics came the night before or i finished them the night before i was going to sing them the next morning and <laughs> they, they were going to be sung forever I was so nervous. Like I, I, my first take of that song, I'm like barely singing it. because I'm like reading the <laughs> new lyrics that I just wrote. And I'm like, this is, I'm so, you know, people are hearing them for the first time. And it was so fun though. It was like a high wire act. And again, it was one of those songs. That it's like, this isn't the all encompassing song of the record, but it's a, it's a, uh, it's a character in it. Yes, totally. And it has to go there because I'm, this person is having a mental breakdown. Mm-hmm. So it has to sound manic and infuriated in a way. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's that's where that riff sort of. Yeah, came that's cool. And also, it it it. I don't remember quite exactly what comes before that, but it certainly, whenever it comes on, it it's a total contrast to what's happened before, mm -hmm. and that's the same thing that happens to me with. Um, uh, Rachel, what's what's the full title? I always oh, I'm bad with titles. To, no, Live according to, to Rachel. Yeah. So yep. 
once that song is done i mean the whole record could be done already it's like or <laughs> everything could be done it's like ah oh. <laughs> so moving and then how that. you contrasted it and how so i love the the shortness of the pause mm -hmm. after that because if a song like that would have actually you're yearning for a long pause and like where you kind of would you know a long sigh or whatever yeah but you you don't let go i mean i mean you give us the next thing right away and i love that oh that's cool yeah i, I think you know there's there's more of the journey that's left and maybe that's maybe i'm overthinking it but what's sweet about that is it's like that's kind of what grief is right like it catches you in this pocket that completely arrests you and you're you're you can only think about that you can only focus on that otherwise you're running from it and but at some point you go okay i do have to move on and maybe that's what the other song is it's like taking you out of the moment the rachel moment and going okay we got to move on though let's let's ask another yes. question let's say another thing let's let's get up let's get out of bed you know what i mean yeah so maybe that's maybe that's maybe the song itself is the long sigh mm. and then the other song is the okay it's time to live the rest of your life while you can <laughs> mm -hmm. can you tell me about the magic of uh rubber bridges i'm not a guitarist but are you not what are you are you a pianist what are you I'm who a are you <laughs> i'm a pianist yeah. okay yeah. I didn't I didn't actually know that I, I for whatever reason thought you're a guitar player um no I'm not no it's better I, guitar players suck <laughs> <laughs> yeah we can be certain no guitar players will listen to this for sure <laughs> only piano sure that's true <laughs> no that's why you're so interested in harmony it all makes sense mm. um now um, you get me <laughs> uh your question was what was my question though? I forgot. <laughs> I don't remember. Oh, geez. Well, can There's we something about? <laughs> oh, rubber bridge. You're not it, a guitar exactly. player. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. So I, I'm not a guitar player, but I love the sound, and I was drawn to it. On I think I heard it on other records, records as well. Mm -hmm. I think Blake Mills also uses it. Oh sometimes. yeah. Blake and Mills probably kickstarted the the whole phenomenon. You know, it's a it's a very Los Angeles thing that has now. I think a lot of people have caught on to it, but um, Ruben Cox is mm. the the designer, the creator, the guy who coined it. Um, and he's he's in Los Angeles and runs a shop called Old Style Guitar. And he's beloved and trusted by everybody in the in the community. And um, yeah, Blake was probably the first person that I, I, I had seen playing it. And then my producer, Tyler, owned one. He bought mm. one, lent it to me. He was like, you got to try it and I, I just kind of became smitten and started writing songs on it and then he didn't let me give it back <laughs> I've, I've tried several times and eventually um i just bought a new one and gave it to him because i was like i i know this isn't going to be as good as this one but i know you're not going to let me give it back and you need you need to you need to have one so yeah it sounds it sounds amazing and but what i wanted to say is like and i'm not sure if you agree but it sounds great on the record, but mm. how it sounds on the tiny desk, there's something is different. Really? I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, or maybe I, 
I really actively noticed the difference in the sound more on the tiny desk. I'm, I'm not sure why, but... Well, what could also be playing into that is this pedal mm. that was on it. It's like a slight warble pedal. Yeah. Um, that actually, I, I think I could talk about this. We haven't announced it yet, but uh, I designed it with JHS. Mm -hmm. And so that uh, pedal will come out at some point, but that, that was on the guitar and that might've, I don't know if, I don't know if it was on the recordings on the, on the rubber bridge specifically. Yeah. Maybe um, I, I think on the, on the record, of course, it's also beautifully, you know, it has the nice code of the, the strings and, and all the other things that's happening, you know, around it. So yeah. maybe on the tiny desk where it's just solo, maybe it's more evident or, you know, um, maybe that's why it's even more there. That was yeah, a great totally. set. The tiny desk set was amazing. Thank you. I appreciate and, that. You know, there's certain things that interest me a lot. You know, that you have a great, you have a great band. And yeah. uh, at first I want to know, going back to accompanying yourself when you play solo you sound completely self-sufficient you you wouldn't want anything else everything is there mm. so what do you need from band members i i mean what's incredible about the band that i have now and i know how lucky i am they're just like as good as it gets and my favorite musicians in town like they 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 all of them were like my first call <laughs> and um you know have been with me for the last couple of years so it's, it's just it's crazy it's I feel so lucky but um what I look for is sensitivity like I think I think what they all are is a team player but that to me like allows them to shine in their own respective talents even more um mm. and I, you know, I completely just, I lean on, on them. And, and actually what's cool is that we've, we've figured out, we've kind of figured out this grid in which the songs exist on so that they can work and so that they can fly. But then we sometimes we'll leave it every once in a while because we've been playing the songs for a while. And, you know, Kyle, the drummer, I, I always would freak out about playing with drummers because I, it's so hit or miss to find someone that you feel really gets you. And he's, mm. I've played with a handful of drummers and all people that I adore and are some of my other favorite musicians, but like Kyle is the one. And that, I think it's just a product of how much time we've spent playing together, but he's he's like the, the drummer that I trust the most and love playing with the most because it's the first time in my life where I felt like um, a drummer really under understands the way that I play and think and like he now can fully predict all of it and I can predict him and it's this beautiful thing that happens with time and and it's the same with Phil on keys he's mm -hmm. like you know the absolute best and he spends so much time crafting sounds and he knows where I'm gonna yeah. go melodically and like the second he joined the band it was like the, the whole thing went up like 10, 10 pegs. Like it, it just completely raised the bar. And then, then Daniel on, on bass, he is like, 
you know, all of his melodic things that he does, he places so perfectly. And it's all the things that like, I couldn't have imagined better myself. And that's such a, you know, I play very low on the guitar. And so it's a very unique relationship with whoever plays bass in the band. And Daniel is like the first person that I also feel like really established a, a, a way of playing that that is sensitive to the way I play. And it's completely, it doesn't ever get in the way. It's so stunning. So I, yeah, I just couldn't be more satisfied with who's in the band. It's so special. Yeah. I mean, you guys sound very, very tight together. Um, yeah. The last thing that I've seen, I mean, I've seen a few Instagram snippets, but the last, you know, full thing that I saw was the tiny desk thing. And I saw it a couple of times. Um, and I'm wondering how you became so tight and how uh, you teach the songs to them, how they learn the songs and how everybody figures out their part. Mm -hmm. Well, I hire people that I trust and I trust their instincts automatically. So I don't feel like I'm like babysitting and being like, no, don't play this. So what I like to do is, is not try and micromanage what their instincts would be and try to throw out the idea of what the record sounds like and to just be like, I know that these are all live versions of whatever was captured on the record. And so we go into it with that mindset. They listen to the record. I don't say anything before we before we play it through because I'm, I'm the kind of player and thinker that like I figure things out from doing it multiple times. And so when we rehearse, it's like, all right, here's the song. Let's play through it. Let's stumble through it. I don't care. I don't want it to be perfect because we all know how to self correct um yeah. but how do they so get I, the material um you don't write it down so you play it for them they're all great at trans transposing themselves i'll yeah i'll i'll play it i'll send it to them mm -hmm. and they'll listen to it and then they'll come with their own idea of what it should be or mm -hmm. what the record sounds like and then we we make the live version off of that you know mm. i didn't get the credits of the of the new album so are they on the on the new album as well? Do they play on the album? No, and that's one of my biggest regrets. I mean, my next album, I would I want them on it because now we've created this camaraderie. And actually, I was making the album before we really, really started touring again after the pandemic and really, mm -hmm. I think, found our our tightness. So that that'll definitely be on the next record. Mm -hmm. Okay, so they had somebody to you know, where they already heard a part and heard how it's how it, how it was done on the record. How was it then in with the musicians in the studio? How did you teach them the songs? Did you send them voice memos or mm. was it demos already that you constructed? And it was, there were some demos. And again, I, I, I'm a firm believer of hiring people for their instincts. And so what I did is I would be like, I would have an idea of what I wanted it to sound like, but I also wanted to leave it to their first interpretation. And, and if, you know, and if I didn't like it immediately, then I would steer it a little bit, but the, maybe the one exception was that song hospital. Mm -hmm. At first I had played everything and drums like literally everything on the on that track and then i wanted to replace the drums and get someone who actually knows how to play to play and <laughs> matt chamberlain came mm. in and played and he literally and obviously he, he added his own flair but like transcribed almost everything that i played whoa and just played it 10 times better and mm -hmm. i was like 
holy shit, this is crazy. Um, mm-hmm. That was a really fun experience. I, I, that was so unexpected that he would do that. Mm. Hospital is the the B7 going to E, right? The boom. Yeah. That's, yeah. That one, yeah. Yeah. I'm always one man down. Yeah. Yeah, right? and dressed yeah. up. Yeah. yeah, someone said that they thought the lyric was, I have always... I have always turned men men down or something like that. And I was like, wow. Yeah, I don't think that's true. Um, but yeah, no, it's I'm always one man down and dressed yeah. up. Yeah. Let the record show. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite songs, and maybe my favorite song of yours is uh, Broken Harvest. Ooh. And I would like to see you play it. If you would, if you would care to play it, I don't, I don't know, and or maybe tell me also a little bit about it, how you, how you wrote that. I'll tell you about it because I'm, I'm about to unveil a secret about that song, which is why it's tricky for me to play it now. But is there a pedal involved? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it sounds that's... like that's is that possible on the guitar? And I was always, you know, <laughs> it's not really, it's yeah, it's a little bit of trickery, but it's fun. because it totally translates into a live setting, but it's a, it's a Digitech whammy pedal and it, um, I harmonized everything in fifths and that's yeah. the way I wrote it. And, and, and that was actually a limitation in itself because you can't, you, there's so many chords that you just can't play. With. But how does it sound without the fifth? I'm, I'm very curious. Um, Let's see. Literally, capo. It literally sounds like this. It's hilarious. <laughs> so I'm in B. So yeah, this would be standard here. Oh, sorry. It sounds like this. weird but yeah that's interesting just, yeah the fifths. i mean it's literally you can picture exactly the voicings that i'm playing but the the fifths make it sound like this crazy like mm-hmm. arpeggiated thing and on the recording i mean that recording i did in my room uh this very room actually mm-hmm. uh, and and just recorded everything through ableton and then sent it to someone to mix it and that was like that kind of inspired an idea of recording a bunch of songs like that, which I haven't done yet, but I would love to write songs that feel like that one that are just like the production is very self done. Mm. Doesn't sound like it. Oh, good. <laughs> it sounds very good. Um, that's connected to another topic that really, really interests me right now. Um, In composing, we sometimes arrive at an A section mm-hmm. and we loop that for a long while and then hope for the next best thought, the next best idea that leads us to something else, maybe a B section. Mm-hmm. And in most, of, I mean, all of your songs, the B section is absolutely killing. I mean, it's absolutely incredible how you get from there to there. Mm. So how do you find a B section? How do you find something that is a contrast or a a natural um, extension of the A section? How do you think about it? 
I don't know. Oh, I know that if I like what's happening in the A section, the B section has a lot of work to do. Mm -hmm. You know, you know that it's like, it's an intimidating thing. Um, so I'll just, I mean, really it's, it's as simple as me just trying to, trying different things. And a lot of things will happen where I'm like, ah, I, I hate that. Like hospital, for example, I spent, I, I should go back and find old voice memos because there were so many choruses that were so bad for that. And actually now the B section is the part that I love the most about it. Mm -hmm. um, it's the apex of, of the song and that's how B sections should be in my opinion. It should be this thing that makes you feel like the it elevates the last part yes. in some way, but it's also elevated from the last part. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I don't know. I, I guess it's it's me just searching for it until I find it. It's not, I don't, I don't have a way of thinking it in, into being. It's just, it's just like bumping into things and being like, oh, that's kind of cool. Where's this going to go? You know, it's mm -hmm. me just, just working it out until, until I find it. And then mm. I refuse to let go until I do. But the thing is with a song like Broken Harvest, there are many, there's so many sections that, that come after that, you know, there's so mm -hmm. many, and they all elevate what's happening before. Yeah, the, oops, sorry. Uh, turn my phone off, I should have done that at the beginning. Um, the, the song that I, in that song in particular, that, you know, that, sort of bridge that happened yes yes i didn't have that section for a long time and then one i had this weird bridge that was just like it was fine but just was like too detached from everything else and this sounds like it's a it's 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 it really like goes off the beaten path but it feels like it was a part of the journey the whole time yes um and I remember sending it to someone and they were like, ah, that section's a little bit too long. I think you should just, I think you should cut it entirely. And then I sent it to someone else and they were like, no, it's exploratory. Keep it. Mm. Um, I, I, I think it's important. And so I just kept it because I liked it enough. Um, it's my favorite section. Although oh, cool. you don't sing on it, but that's, you know, I'm always like, wow, how, how did we arrive here? And then, I'm, <laughs> yes, I'm down for the ride. Let's go. <laughs> because it really sounds like an exploration or you know, expedition through, I don't know, what kind of territory. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm so happy to hear that. That's so fun for me. You've said it a couple of times already, like you send things to other people asking for um, feedback. Mm -hmm. um, who are those people? <laughs> and, yeah. and why do you send it to them specifically? Yeah. Um. Really, it's only two people. I send it to Tyler Tyler Chester. Um, Who's the I, producer, I mentioned right? him. Yeah, yeah, he's the one who produced, his, has produced all of my records. And um, obviously there was three different producers on this one, but he was one of them. And, and then Mike Viola. Do you know of him at all? I've read the name, but I, I don't know who it is right now. In, incredible singer songwriter my favorite singer songwriter who he was actually the anr for me at my label for mm -hmm. about three or four years and then he moved on but um he's just the person i trust i trust his advice over anybody so i will go to him 
um, you know, over and over and over again. And he can smell a rat. Like he'll be like, this is good. Or this isn't quite there yet. Um, so yeah, that, I mean, this whole record was made just by me going to meet Mike on his porch mm. and we would sit and he would listen to new songs, which is so intimidating. I would never, he's the only person that I would trust to do that. Otherwise it's, I'm, I'm scared shitless. About yeah. That kind of stuff. Because it's so raw. I mean, it's so, so fragile when you're trying to construct something. Yeah. There, there are people who don't show anything until it's really done to somebody else, you know? Well, and I guess that's the thing is I'm open to it not being done. Like, I guess I don't know when it's done myself yeah. so, all the time. So how about that new song that you just played for me? That's, for done. that's, that's done. So, but when, when, what, when did you decide that's done? Probably the first week that I wrote it. I, I just kind of knew. I was like, it's done. There's like, I guess, I guess I'll, I'll preface that by saying there are different, there are certain times where I've, I know in my gut that it doesn't need anything else. And then those people will confirm it. It's like, don't touch mm. it. It's done. Mm -hmm. There's no notes. Um, but for the most part, I'm kind of like the whole reason in me bringing something to Mike is, is for me to be open to hearing it's not done. You need to work on this. This could be mm -hmm. better. And once I'm open to that feedback, it's like, I, I feel that I'm in good hands because I, I, I'll never regret working on something harder. Mm. You know, I mean, it's so I've overcooked it, but yeah, it's so good that you've found these people because, you know, there's also the, the spectrum of, um, There's only one Madison Cunningham and there's nobody who does what, what you do. And even those people you've mentioned, they don't do what you do. You do yeah. what you do, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So there's also the element of it's everybody will have an opinion, you know, even if the opinion yeah. is, is great. It's great, you know, but uh, there's also something to be said about your gut and, you, you know, 100%. I mean, that's what this whole year has been is me actually listening to what my own gut is. Cause I, you know, I, I would easily default to people's advice, but there's just, it's becoming, it's becoming, um, more, my gut's becoming more solid. Like it's, it's mm -hmm. not as malleable. It's more like I have more opinions on things and I know myself better now to be like, nah, I know that this is what I like. And yeah, that's maybe enough. It's also good to stand up yeah. for it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You know? And but oh, also I mean, there are also people then who do it so long, standing up for their own ideas, that they only believe that those are the only ideas and that's the only way it's done. And then it yeah. becomes fixed again and and at closed and you know. I just think the whole thing is being open. The whole thing right. is like understanding that songwriting is so mysterious. Not one of us could possibly understand where it comes from and like there are classes that are taught on songwriting that actually sometimes aren't efficient in teaching people how to write a song, because I think it's a gut thing. It's a knowing thing. And if you're not open and you're not like, then you're not going to do it. You're not. So I'm open to people who are wiser than me. I, I, I surround myself with them because I mm. understand that it's like, 
we all have different perspectives on this mysterious thing. We have different angles of what it means. And I want every possible angle if I'm going to do this forever. Like I want, you know, there's certain things that I could think of it now. Um, the song Last Boat to Freedom that we were talking about earlier. That I was strongly advised to not put that on that EP and to not put it out at all. And that was the first time I was like, no, no, no. I love this song. Yeah. And I believe that it has some like... And I don't regret it. Like that's, that's, that's a song that people reference all the time. And, but did I, do I need them to say that, you know, do I need people to reference it in order for me to feel proud that I put it out? No, I feel proud of it. Yeah. And that's it. Is this song somehow connected to life according to Rachel? Last Boat to Freedom? Yeah. Maybe subconsciously, you know, I don't know that, I, I don't know that it is, but They could they could live in the same moment for sure, but they were they were written you know, four or five years apart, just crazy. Right. Well, by the same person though, but yeah. uh, <laughs> don't they all both sound uh, start out with like very soft strings, mm -hmm. both of them? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they're both in E flat. So there you go. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> my friend, one of my dear friends named Anna Butters, said to me we were we were getting coffee together and she goes yeah you love e flat and i said yeah i know like she made it sound like it was an intervention and i was like i know i know i know what i'm doing we were laughing well, i mean there are thousands millions more songs in e major and nobody cares you know it's it's fine whatever you know it's funny i don't like e but i uh, that song looking alive is in e major but mm -hmm. That's like maybe one of the only ones. That's a very alive song. <laughs> e E major is a very alive key. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it resonates. And maybe I feel dead all the time, so I don't. <laughs> I don't want to play an E major. It feels dishonest. So <laughs> here we go. This this uh, went south pretty quickly. <laughs> you feel it's dead my all the time. Thing. All the time, you know. Not really, but okay. Don't worry. This isn't this isn't a cry for help. I I <laughs> I like sad things. That's all. It's fine. Yeah, they make us they make us feel something, right? Yeah. Sure do. Um, let's let's talk about happy happy thing. You've played for okay. Joni Mitchell, and I want to know everything about it. Man, maybe this might be one of the first. Well, I've talked about it a little to a lot of people, but I've never talked about it publicly. Like I, that was the craziest night of my life I, i i got to shake her hand and to <laughs> thank her and and you know i'm i was playing guitar in front of her and that wasn't lost on me the whole thing was like just in order to get through it i had to had to forget about all of that for just those those four minutes you know and it was so insane it was like she just her presence was taking down some of the biggest artists alive, like everyone trembled in, in, you know, in, in her presence. Like it was, it was so, it was so earth shattering. It was, it was like one of the best nights of my life, but also it was, it was like, I couldn't process it. It was too good to be true. I, I needed to take the time to think through what it was and I still don't know if I believe it or if I'll ever actually process it fully, which is, you know, it was, it was holy. 
in that way. I, I saw a little clip of it on your Instagram page. Yeah. And it sounded like you guys were uh, honoring her mm -hmm. in the best way. Mm -hmm. But I could also, when I saw you sing and also the way you, you played the guitar, it's like I, I, I saw you take chances. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I and did. I, I, I think that's probably something that Joni appreciates the most. In, yeah. in a, a song like, or in a in a presentation like that, I don't think she wants anyone to be her. Like yeah. you could tell, it's like she she's like I don't, I don't, I don't want people or the next generation of artists to just do what I did. I want people to model my 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 principles, which are yourself you know yeah and and I, I like I, it's just cool it's like that's I do think that's what's happening people 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 look to her and think how how can I leave my imprint and but but also what she did is so singular like it, it could never be replicated so yeah I mean I could we could have a full other episode just on this <laughs> on this topic but but she yeah, it was insane it was crazy Did you get to talk to her? I had, yeah, a little bit. Um, she's very funny. She's very sharp. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, I don't think that was a secret to anyone, but like at this age now, she still has that. And um, I don't remember what I said because <laughs> I remember it being insufficient or I remember walking away going, I had minutes to say something better than that. And I, I, I squandered it, but there wasn't anything that I could have said that would have made me feel like I, I, I spent my, my, my moments worth or got my moments worth. Like it just, it just was those, one of those things. I just had to just take it in mm -hmm. and I don't know, be clumsy about it. <laughs> That's all I could do. <laughs> it was crazy. I, I always had dreams of, um, getting to talk to my heroes. Now I'm doing it on my podcast. But no. before that, I, I had dreams of, you know, talking to Herbie Hancock or Wayne Shorter, those jazz icons, you know, who yeah. are my heroes. But yeah. every time I then had the chance to talk to them in my dreams, I didn't have a voice or, you know, I didn't wow. have pants on or <laughs> yeah. very, just a very embarrassing, obvious dream, dream scenarios. You feel, uh, I mean, but when they do happen, there's this part of you that still feels ill-equipped. You're just like, yes, yes. What could I possibly say or ask that will make you care that I'm even asking them? It's like, mm -hmm. what what can I ask that hasn't already been asked or oh, said yeah. a million times? You know. Well, I think it comes down to personal, uh, like, don't ask. Joni Mitchell, how it was to record Blue, you know, because we all have read the answer like 80 times already or something, you know, but what, what, what it means to you, what, what a certain song means to you is something that she maybe hasn't heard before because it's yeah. personal to you. And yeah, um, like, what would you ask her if you would have like 30 minutes with her? I mean, hmm. 
like what's what are you genuinely genuinely interested in with her like that you haven't read in an interview that you haven't read in a book or seen in a documentary i would ask her about her fearlessness or like mm -hmm. I, i would want to know what scared her the most mm -hmm. i would want to know what it what it took to because I, I just know the way that it all works. And it's like, it doesn't matter how talented you are or or capable, or there's people who are knocking down your door to, to get you to do the opposite thing of what your gut says all the time. Even if it makes logical sense, even if it makes financial sense, it's like this constant, like, you know, grading against what you feel is right. And you're disappointing people in that. And I want to know how she did that because she did and she maintained her respect, but she, you know, I don't know. There just, there just seems to be no ounce of people pleasing in her. And I want to know how, mm. how she did that and how she kept her head and, and her, her privacy and her mm -hmm. sanity, all those things. Like I would, I would actually, I would love to know how that's possible. And maybe she didn't, <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. you know, like maybe that's her answer, but I, you know, those are things that I think about all the time. It's like, how, how do you actually, this feels impossible, feels like the, the endeavor of making, or actually the endeavor of just being honest feels impossible inside or outside of music. And, you know, I don't you even complain. mean in in normal conversations even or just in in holding yourself accountable to 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 that to honesty yeah. to it's like you're constantly you know sacrificing something mm -hmm. in order to maintain that and that's really hard it's hard to you know be in that place and i think we all are different in different aspects but i think in terms of like art and the, the the things that it takes to put art in the world, those things are constantly at odds. And it's just so funny. It's like, you know, it's just a constant thing that puzzles me. That yeah, I, how, how do you, how do you, how do you deal with it? I don't know. I don't think I've been doing a very good job at the moment. I, I shutting off is my mode. That's my solution. It's like just, When my phone, my favorite moments right now are when I'm in the air flying because no one could reach me and I never mm -hmm. purchased Wi-Fi. It's just like, yeah. it's this moment of just, I just get to think. And there's not a lot of moments like that. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of moments where people don't bother you or aren't like asking. I mean, free man in Paris. I think about that song all the time. Mm. I was a free man in Paris, unfettered and alive. No one was calling me up for favors. No one's future to decide. Like yeah. I feel that all the time, mm -hmm. feel those lyrics. And am I putting too much weight on myself as, as a person and what my footprint is in the world or whatever? It's like for sure. But yeah. I think that's just what, that's what we do. That's like the thing that we work through. I guess the most more visibility you get throughout your career and your life, uh, there are more people who who like what you do and who um, also don't like what you do, but they, mm -hmm. there are people out there who 
for whom you are important mm -hmm. because of your music and for what you stand and who you are. So they kind of need or want you in their lives. Totally. And to it's it's hard to turn them away and or say you know sorry I I can't deal with it you know because well, I'm sure you get a lot of personal messages saying like that song helped me through whatever you know. But it's only hard to to turn that away and to not feel the weight of that if you also believe that they need you too. Like if you're like yeah they need me you know that's mm -hmm. like no they don't yeah. <laughs> no one needs you like and mm. and again that's not, like that's just reality like if you're so small compared to what the world is and yeah. that's the real that that's why it's so important to to say no to certain things and to shut off it's like just remember who you are and and you know that you are just as important as everybody else yeah and no one needs you that badly except for the people that are immediate in your you. life already yeah your life yeah i was yeah. just on vacation with my family so we have two kids and my wife and me we we went on a vacation had a house in the middle of nowhere and for three or four days we turned off all electric devices so no phone no computer no ipad no uh little um no uh, even if no tv no music everything how Wow. So even Google Maps, because that's on your phone, you can't use wow. it. So if you need to go to a restaurant, you have to find it, you know. That's incredible. And then I, after a couple of days, I realized that this thing, this phone is like a, like a window to the outside. And we take that so much, you know, that's like, like, like a line to the outside. And mm. um, by switching it off, I re realized, of course, I knew it, but this is my life. This the the family, the immediate circle of people that you trust. This is the most important thing. You know, yeah. we have to eat, we have to talk, we have to be together, and everything that comes from outside. Like, send me the info for the concert, or uh, yeah. please reply to this question or whatever. That's something yeah. from the outside. If you shut it off. It's not there. It's actually, it, it's not existent. It doesn't. And it doesn't. I mean, that that's, that's, there's a, there's a book about this. It's called entertaining ourselves to death. And I won't get, get into this too much because I know we've already been talking for a long time. I've been talking for a long time, but, but it's, it talks about that where it's like, once the news kind of came into the picture where like we were, we were able to be updated on a global scale about what was happening around the world through a TV, it, it, it changed everything, but also it made us think that like, there was something we could do about it. Yeah. There's something yeah. that we could control about it. And it's like, actually, it's funny to say it out loud because it feels wrong. Cause it's like, shouldn't we be concerned about everything and everyone? Well, yes, we should have compassion, but also we can't bear everything. We just can't. And Instagram yeah. is that thing that's saying you should be able to bear all of this. And it's impossible. Yeah. And exactly. actually it doesn't affect our immediate circles, right? It doesn't actually, you know, it's not anyone that you really know. Um, but it's just, it's just a really strange thing. It's like, we, we, we think that we can, and we all think we're gods 
you know, in our own universes that need to model, monitor all these things. And it's like, no, we can't. And, and so much seeps in with that mindset. That's, you know, not healthy. And yeah, I, I do that too. I'm like, I, I just look at my life and it's like, all that matters is my husband, Austin and my English bulldog Gus, this is my immediate world. This is yeah. it. And the smaller that world gets, the bigger my perspective is about it, myself mm. and everything else. And um, I need that. Like being home right now has been special because that's, that's all I'm doing right now. I'm just taking Gus on walks, Beautiful. making dinner. That's it. Yeah. And it's wonderful. And getting to talk to you. Like these are my favorite parts about being alive. And, you know, hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't take that for granted. That's cool. Um, maybe as a closing topic, I just went to a, a wedding in Ireland. Uh, there mm. were a lot of musicians there. And, um, a lot of people from all over the world and some, a couple came towards our table uh, and I didn't know them. They were very nice. And they said, I love your podcast uh, and thank you for doing it. And I was like, whoa, you know my podcast, that, that's cool. Um, <laughs> but then I was like, um, I engaged in conversation with them. I was like, yeah, you know, next I'm going to talk to Madison Cunningham. And I'm really excited. I'm listening to her new album the whole time. And um, we're like, oh, we love her. I'm so interested in, in, in what she's doing. So um, she was like, like the, the, the lady who was a singer, she was like, yeah, I think she loves Judy Sill. Hmm. And I didn't know Judy Sill. And I was like in the tunnel vision of Madison Cunningham. I'm prepared interview, although I've been preparing for the last years by listening to you. But in yeah. this, this weeks leading up to it, I like to tunnel vision and play along yeah. to your record. But I went on a detour checking out Judy Sill's music and I didn't know anything about her. Oh and I was blown away. I mean, what kind of artist was she? And so I'm, I'm wondering, what is she to you? And uh, how did you discover her? And I think you also played her song, Kiss, right? I mean, mm -hmm. the kiss. That's I mean. the song. I mean, that to me is like, that is one of those songs I wish I had written. If anyone were to ask me, like, what that song would be, The Kiss by Judy Sill would be that song. Like, it, mm. it's perfect. It has all the things, all the twists, but it's simple and it cuts and the lyrics are ah, just perfect. I heard about her through Mike Viola and he showed me that song when I was trying to I was, I was trying to have a breakthrough songwriting wise and you played it for me. And I was like, just wrecked. It's just, you know, those songs that transport you and you're, you're out of body and you're just like, wow, I, I didn't think moments could be so sacred and that you could, you know, songs could be so vivid. That's one of those songs for me. And she's just was an artist that like, was was you know coming up during the Joni Mitchell age and happened mm. to be playing folk music and also happened to be writing absolutely insanely great songs but yeah people didn't find room for her they were like that ah, Joni Mitchell already exists which is a fucking mistake yes <laughs> it's so sad to me it's like our imaginations are so small and again Joni's a force we again we could have a whole other podcast about her but it's like I don't know it just was sad that that she 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 died in such sad circumstances. I think she died a, a, a 
a criminal and she was homeless and on you know on yeah, the street. yeah yeah a very tragic uh, life very tragic but it you know it's i i don't know I, not to blame the music industry for that those are all results of choices and stuff but also it's like you know i think i think there's room for everybody mm. to to lend them i really do because again we're all so small to think that there's only one person that's the best or should deserve the platform yeah, i don't yeah. know I just don't i don't think that necessarily so yeah what a what a beautiful note to end on in terms of like you're 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 telling people to go listen to judy sill and they absolutely should she's the goat yeah she's incredible all right medicine thank you so much for doing this with me that was a big pleasure and and so great to get to talk to you and ask you all these questions can i um, tell me if i if it if i'm stepping overstepping the line but could i ask you to play one more song to end the thing or do you have to go and uh... sure i'm trying to think of what i could do um sure yeah let's do it thank you so much do yeah of course this is fun i'm gonna do a song called in from japan oh yeah in a little bit yeah you know it i love that i love that line Yeah, that's a piano line. I wrote this song on piano first. Ah, nice.
Holding you back now.